1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has taken over the Big Easy for the Sunbelt Conference Media Days. It's time for a special Sunbelt Media Days edition of RP3 and Company, presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands. Now, here's your big, bald, beautiful host, RP3. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company as we broadcast live from Radio Road this morning inside the Hotel Sheraton in downtown New Orleans for Sunbelt Conference Football Media Days. I'm your host, Raymond Parch III, and we got a great show lined up for you here for the next three hours as we'll be here for both days. Not only RP3 and Company, but Kevin Foote in Footnotes and then Crunch Time with Miguez in Mesh. That's right. Three of our shows are going to be broadcasting live right here from Sunbelt Conference Football Media Days. Of course, we have a slate of the Eastern Division will be today, Western Division tomorrow. That's how they split it up. Of course, the conference has expanded with the addition of multiple teams. So draw lines have been redrawn, so to speak. But a event that usually took just one day has now been split into two. And for today, we got a great lineup of interviews set up for you here on Radio Row. It's going to all start off at a little after 7 o'clock, around 7.10. Ricky Rain, the old Dominion head coach, that's one of the new teams in the Sunbelt Conference, will stop by. Then at 7.40, Clay Hilton, formerly of USC, he took over the Georgia Southern program. He's going to be joining us. And then it's back-to-back-to-back in hour number three, our 8 o'clock hour. Uh, Kurt Signiti from James Madison will be joining us a little after 8 o'clock. Then Charles Huff from Marshall after that. And then Sean Clark from Appalachian State. And then we'll close out today's show. It's going to be jam-packed. Five guests will be joining us on today's edition of RP3 and Company. But just because we're chock full of guests does not mean that we don't want to hear from you. You can give us a call on the game hotline, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. And we'll get to all things Sunbelt. We'll talk about the Raging Cajuns picked yet again to represent the West. They were predicted yesterday to win the West Division. But we'll talk about some other interesting things with the votes and how they went down in the preseason poll and who was honored and who wasn't throughout today's show. Producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Dames. Last week, gone for four days. Now, then we were reunited yesterday inside the game studios. And here you are again being left alone back in Upper Lafayette. And you won't even have foot to keep you company this morning. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, technically it's a little bit of a good thing because now I get the whole entire studio to myself. <laughs> but Steve Wiley came in and turned my light on. So now there's a light on. So I can't, like, stay somewhat oh, sleepy Steve. in here. So oh. I got to turn it back off in a second. Oh, Steve. Steve, Steve says, no, no says, no, no, I'm not going to allow you to rest in the darkness, says Steve. Steve says, I'm here to bring you sunshine, to bring you out of the darkness. Five names, how do you feel about that? 
I mean, I, I'm gonna get up and turn it off in a second, but uh, you know, <laughs> I still got. I put on a longer dress so that it covered my legs. I have my blanket. I brought some spaghetti and chocolate milk for breakfast. I'm I'm pumped. I'm ready for the day. Time out. If it, if you're watch <laughs> if you're watching us on the simulcast on Stadium Network 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber, you notice I took off my glasses to rub my eyes. So you said for breakfast you're rocking spaghetti and chocolate milk. Is that what you just said? Yeah. Absolutely. That's not a weird combination at all. It's perfectly normal no, to have that for vibes. breakfast. It is elf. Very good. Where's the maple syrup? Just say. I mean, I did leave my maple my syrup here last night, so I mean, I could just put that on there, but I'm not. <laughs> That's too much. It's just too much. It's just too much. Uh, so no, we're gonna have a good time here along Radio Row for Sunbelt Conference Football Media Days, plural, this year. And we're going to start off with the Houston Astros. Things did not go the Strohs' way yesterday, or last night, rather. And they had started off the uh, post-All-Star break portion of their schedule with five straight wins, sweeping the New York Yankees in a doubleheader on Thursday, and then going and taking three games from the Red Hot Seattle Mariners. Well, you know, we've talked about it throughout this show throughout the season those Oakland Athletics may be the worst team in baseball right now they're ran like a dumpster fire their front office does not care about them and it is abundantly clear that said they're still the Oakland Athletics and they're still pesky when it comes in particular when it comes to those Houston Astros and sure enough they were again and another so-so less than Less than optimal start from Jake Odorizzi. He looked good when he first came back off the IL, but he's had a couple of starts here where you go, eh, not great. Just not great. Tony Kemp, former Stroh, hit two run, hits a two-run double as the A's beat the streaking Strohs. Seven to five yesterday. And Astros took a lead early. One to nothing over the Oakland Athletics there in the first inning. But, man, then the third and fourth inning came. And Oakland was able to tie it in the bottom of the third, 1-1. And then in the bottom of the fourth, the wheels came off for the Strohs, in particular Odorizzi, who falls to 4-3 and three on the season. The Athletics scored five runs in the bottom of the fourth. Five. Odorizzi gives up a total of six earned runs. On seven hits, only walked one, but struck out two, but he gave up two home runs, only threw 81 pitches. ERA is now north of 4.2 after this quick outing. And look, Pena gets the home run, the rookie sensation, right there in the first. But then Kemp homers for the A's in the third, and then comes the fourth. It's a single, it's a double, it's a home run, and just the wheels just kind of fell off for the Astros. Now, Credit the Strohs. Once again, we, we've said this before over and over again. I sound like a broken record here. But the Astros never believe they're out of a game. Ever. They never believe that. And they always believe that they have an opportunity to come back and win the ball game. And sure enough, they tried their darndest last night in Oakland to do that. 
McCormick got himself a double that scored Diaz there in the fifth. Then in the sixth, Alvarez gets picked off at third, but Pena scores. There was some interesting base running going on last night. And interesting, what I mean is interesting for the Astros that they were able to get away with it, not interesting with Oakland in their fielding. Because they're in the sixth, Pena scores on a pickoff attempt on Alvarez. Then Alvarez would steal home. And Yuli Gurriel, that's right, the man who's having a historic slump here, defending AL batting champion, he actually stole a base in this game last night. And then in, but then in the eighth, the Athletics got that insurance when Murphy scores on a single by Andres. But then McCormick homers in the ninth, and that makes it 7-5, but it's too little too late as the Strohs fall 7-5 to the Oakland Athletics. The two teams will tussle yet again tonight, 8-40 first pitch from lovely Oakland, California. I don't know. Obviously, if you're an Astros fan, you're disappointed that your team lost. I watched the highlights of this game in the hotel room here in New Orleans last night. There was no one at the game. Now, I get it. It's a Monday night game, but it's the summer, and I know Oakland is terrible. <laughs> Excuse me. That Oakland is terrible. But it just looked like they were playing. It, it, it could have been a warehouse. It could have been anything. There was no one there. There was no one there. It was like a few hundred people. That was it. It's just a sad state of affairs in Oakland. But they get the win, and that's all that matters. And the two teams will have to go at it again. 8.40 first pitch. You can listen to that game live right here on the game. We're going to have Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh from 4 to 6. Then we'll have Tiger Rag Radio for you from 6 to 8. And then... We'll kick it over to Astros pregame. That's Astros launch with Robert Ford and Steve Sparks. And then, of course, first pitch from Oakland between the Strohs and the Athletics will be tonight at 840. Now, bad news on the diamond because, obviously, the Strohs lost the game. Good news is that they were able to lock up their two – they were able to lock up the majority of their draft picks, but more uh, in particular, rather – their first two round picks. And that includes Drew Gilbert, the star center fielder for the Tennessee Volunteers, and Jacob Milton, the star center fielder for the Oregon State Beavers. They were able to lock up both of those on deals that were slightly under their slot deals. For example, Gilbert out of Tennessee signed for $2.5 million. That was slightly under the slot where he was drafted at at number 28 overall in the Major League Baseball Amateur Draft. Milton, your Pac-12 Player of the Year and a Golden Spikes semifinalist, he was slated for $1 million. Both of those deals were slightly under where they were slotted. So, once again, the Astros figuring out ways of doing this, right? They draft well, they develop well. And here they go. They get two guys that they're looking to develop into future big leaguers, and they get to slot them in under what the slot number is because they just figure out a way. And here's the other thing. For these players, yes, they want to maximize and get as much money as possible. That's always the goal here because 
this is you taking advantage of how much you're worth on the open market, or in this case, being drafted. But guys tend to take a little less money to play for a championship caliber team. Look at the deal Jordan Alvarez got earlier this year. You, you got Juan Soto for the Washington Nationals rejecting a $450 million contract from the Washington Nationals. Astros were able to lock up Alvarez long-term for far cheaper. And you could argue they're both great players, equally great young players. Soto's motivation may have less to do with money and more to do with the fact that the Nationals are a mess. The Astros, they're not. They've been to three World Series in the last five years, five straight ALCSs, and they look like they're one of the best teams in baseball yet again. So I think that matters. I think that matters. Plus the Astros know what they're doing when it comes to negotiations with their players, and they know what they do when they're scouting guys because they believe that those guys are going to gladly accept and sign on the dotted line and come play for them in Houston. Oof. Good start to today's show. Astros, once again, will take on the Athletics tonight, 841st pitch. This is the rundown today, RP3 and company, live from Radio Row. That will be followed by footnotes with Kevin Foote, live from Radio Row. Then we'll go with Jim Rome at lunchtime, then the Jordy Holberg show from 2 to 4, then Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh will be from 4 to 6, live from Radio Row again. We'll turn it over to Jeff Palermo and company for Tiger Rag Radio starting at 6 o'clock. And then Astro Launch will start at 8 o'clock with Robert Ford and Steve Sparks. And then, of course, first pitch, 840 from Oakland, Stroh's Athletics. Game two of this midweek series for the Astros. We'll take your phone calls. Obviously, hotline is open, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on Radio Row for Sunbelt Conference Media Days inside the Hotel Sheraton in downtown New Orleans. Our coverage is presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. Time for us to head back down to the Big Easy for more of the game Sunbelt Media Days coverage presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Oh, welcome back to RP3 and Company as we broadcast live from Radio Row inside the Hotel Sheraton for Sunbelt Football Conference Media Days here in New Orleans. Day one is upon us. This will be a two-day event. and got to get a little adjusted to that. For years, it's only been one. But with the conference expanding, it has grown to a two-day event now. Now, let's talk a little bit about the all-conference teams that did come out yesterday and maybe a few surprises if you will not a not a ton but there were a few surprises and for the raging cajuns they were able to place five on the preseason sunbelt team interesting enough 
no first-team offensive players. And your Sunbelt preseason honorees are uh, former Catholic High of New Iberia star Zion Hill Green, defensive lineman Eric Garrar, linebacker Reese Burns, the punter, and Chris Smith. Now, Chris Smith got on there for all purpose. He'll be your starting running back. He's also a return specialist. But they put them on the first team for all purpose. And then Andre Jones was the lone raging Cajun on the preseason second team. And that's what's surprising to me. Offensively is the question marks for the raging Cajuns. Who's going to replace Levi Lewis? We think it's going to be Chandler Fields. He's been groomed to be the backup. But it may be Woolridge, who's also there competing. Former transfer that's been in the system now a little while for the Raging Cajuns. Plus offensive line. They lost guys to the draft. They lost guys to coaching. And they lost guys to the transfer portal as Cyrus uh, or Torrance or went to Florida to go play for Billy Napier. Not to mention they lost two of their three running backs, one to TCU, one to Florida as well, Montreal Johnson going to Florida. So they're going to replace two running backs. they got to replace multiple guys across the offensive line. Who's going to play quarterback? they got a slew of wide receivers. But are they going to have a number one wide receiver? So a lot of the question marks for the Raging Cajuns come on the offensive side of the football. Defensively, that's where they're going to be stacked, right? That's where they're going to have all their talent. Jones, I thought, would have been maybe a first-team selection, but he got on there as a second-team Zion leader, one of the best defensive tackles, interior defensive linemen in the conference when healthy. Zion's health has always been kind of the big question mark for him. But five is respectable. That's a respectable number to place on the preseason all Sunbelt teams. So they get definitely get represented there. Now, what's interesting to me, though, is the predicted order of finish when it comes to the upcoming season. That's what's intriguing to me. And they picked the Cajuns to win the Sun Belt West. Not surprised there, even though I think they're going to be tested. I just, I just think they're going to be tested because they're picked to win the West and they're picked to meet Appalachian State for the Sunbelt Conference Championship yet again. Not surprised that that's how that went down. But watch out for a couple of teams. In the West in particular, South Alabama. It feels like Kane Womack is building something. That's a game that the Jaguars should have won a year ago. That South Alabama UO game should have been won by South Alabama there in Mobile. Rainy conditions. That's one that the Jaguars let get away from them. Credit the Cajuns for getting the job done. But they pulled out the win. And that's the other thing about the Cajuns. They're, they're slotted to win the West. The schedule is favorable for them. But remember, they, lost, they won a bunch of really, really close games last year. Levi Lewis, not there. Veteran offensive line, not there. 
they're missing some pieces from that team. So it's going to be interesting to see how they deal. Even though the schedule may be favorable for them this coming year, with they don't have to play App State, they don't have to play Coastal, they don't have to play Georgia State, <laughs> they don't have to play Old Dominion, they don't have to play James Madison. Schedule kind of, they did them a whole lot of favors when you look at the Cajun schedule this year. But they're going to get tested. They're definitely going to get tested specifically in the West. You expect Arkansas State to be better in year two of Butch Jones's era leading the program. But South Alabama is the team, for me, that you look at and you go, they could be sneaky good. They could be sneaky good. Now, they got to figure out the quarterback situation. I'm sure we'll find out more about that during media days. But if you look at the Raging Cajun schedule, they open up against Southeastern at home. Then they host Eastern, Eastern Michigan. Then they travel to Rice. Rice has been bad for a long time. And then they open up conference play on the road at ULM. And then comes South Alabama. Their first real test is going to be on October 1st. And that should be a dandy of a ball game there. And then they have to play at Marshall, which is going to be tough. Obviously, that will be a rematch of the New Orleans Bowl which Coach Des got his first win as the interim head coach. And then Arkansas State, but a lot of those games are at home except for the Marshall game. So Troy's interesting as well. They, they bring back a lot of guys on the defensive side of the football. So that could be, that could be dangerous. It's not going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination. But Cajuns are picked to win the West and are picked to face Appalachian State once again, in the Sunbelt Conference Championship game, Mountaineers picked to win the East despite the addition of the new teams. Georgia State could be really good as well. feel like they could upset things or possibly make a run this year. It feels like they have the talent to do so. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on, Reynolds, to the show. Reynolds, good morning to you, brother. How are you? Good morning. How are you doing, RP3? I'm doing great, bud. I'm doing great. Good. I was wondering, so with the with the addition of the uh, – how many schools we had added? Five or six? Four. Four, four. Who do you think out of those four could make a run and make some noise in the conference first year out? Well, that's a good question. You know, I expect Southern Miss to be better this year uh, under year two of the Will Hall, the former Raging Cajun coordinator. You know, James Madison should be good. Old Dominion should be good. But I like Marshall. I, I really do. I like, I, I like the has, thundering they herd. Down years, they can right? make uh, some noise. But it's going to be – the East is going to be absolutely brutal, though, because those three teams join. James Madison's going to be really good in multiple sports, but particularly for football – and then they have to enter a division that already has Georgia State, App State, and Coastal Carolina. So the East is going to be uh, tough. But if I had to pick one of those four teams, I like Marshall probably to be the one. They have that absolute stud running back that the Cajuns struggled to contain, at least for the first half in that bowl game. So if I had to pick one that could make some noise in year one of, an, of being in the Sun Belt, it would be Marshall. 
Uh, Marshall's ha- has had some uh, down years in the past uh, two to three years, right? Well, yeah, they had some, but remember, they, they had a good year last year where they made it to the New Orleans Bowl and faced off with the Raging yeah, Cajuns. Yeah. yeah. Now, besides South Alabama, do you think South Alabama is the dark horse, or is there any other team that can make the noise to <clears throat> I like South Alabama to to make some noise this year. I, I really like Georgia State too. I, I I just do. That's another game that was really 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 close for the Cajuns. Uh, that's yeah. a game they could yeah. have easily lost a year ago. So I like Georgia State. That's going to be a dangerous team. South Alabama is going to be a dangerous team. And, and look, Troy changed leadership. They brought in a new coach, but they've also bring back a lot of players on the defensive side of the football. They're going to be led by their defense. If they can get a little bit more dynamic on offense, they can be a dangerous team as well. And once again, they're now in the West. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm eager to see what what the Cajuns bring to the table now. Basically, they'll have a a whole new offensive system and offensive players. So uh, I think the the defense will still be pretty stout and good. Um, but it's just what's going to happen on on offense. So uh, you know, college season is always Christmas. I mean, you never know what, what you're going to get when you open uh, the box. So, uh, it's going to be fun to see. Appreciate the phone call, Reynold. I agree, bud. Have a great day. All right. Bye. Yeah, I find it. I feel South Al or Troy, your two Alabama schools, probably present the biggest challenge for the Cajuns based on what the personnel that they have coming back. But – it's going to be interesting for the Sun Belt Conference. You know, we're, it's all slotted in, Cajuns, Mountaineers. It, it sounds good, but I don't know. I'll, I like Georgia State, too. I, I feel like App State's probably still going to win the East. I understand why it went down that way, but the addition of the teams, man, just made the conference so much, so much deeper. But once again, the Cajuns get the benefit on paper. Once again, it's always dangerous to play that game, right? On paper. This team looks like this. On paper, this team – on paper, the Cajuns do have a favorable schedule, but they have their own big question marks. Who's going to be quarterback? Who's going to step up and fill that void at running back left by two guys that left in the transfer portal? And is the offensive line going to be good enough? Because they lost guys to the NFL and they lost guys to the transfer portal. They have the wide receiving depth. That's not an issue. Jefferson could be the number one. Peter LeBlanc could be the number one. It, talk out of uh, talk out of around the program as it looks like Coach Des may go with a guy that, unlike Billy Napier, who relished the fact that he didn't have a number one wide receiver that you could have one guy get four catches for eighty four yards and a touchdown one game and then not see another target for three games. It doesn't feel like that's going to be the case. You could see the first true number one wide receiver for the Raging Cajuns since Jamarcus Bradley was on campus. They got the wide receivers and they got the talent on defense on all three levels and special teams is going to be a strength but the big questions are going to be offense do they have a quarterback that they trust remember Levi you know did not turn over the ball we had you know a lot of people had issues with Levi well he wasn't as dynamic as a thrower as they wanted him to be or didn't run as much as they wanted to be there was always something about him he just won ball games and he didn't make mental miscues, and he didn't turn over the ball. Do they have someone they can trust in big game situations to deliver? That remains to be seen. 
we got to take a timeout. More of RP3 and company live from Radio Row here at Sunbelt Conference Media Days inside the Hotel Sheraton in New Orleans. Of course, our coverage is presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands. We have more coming up right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Just because we're in New Orleans doesn't mean we don't want to hear from you. Call the game hotline at 337-706-0111 or comment on our Facebook page. Back to more of the game Sunbelt Media Days coverage presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, today's going to be the day that you're going to sign up for the Games Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. We want to help you out with your date night blues. Look, we know gas prices are high. You're going to have to pay for your kids' school supplies coming up in just a few weeks. Money's tight right now. We want to help you out with that. And we want to help you score gift certificates to some of the best restaurants in Acadiana so you can show your lady a good time, like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse down in Cypress Bayou, one of the best steakhouses in Acadiana. You can have your steaks cooked to perfection, great side dishes. There's even a cigar room, adult beverages, the whole nine yards. $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's. There's also a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, also there in Cypress Bayou. You want something a little bit more casual, you can go there. And we also have in our rewards club a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House Fresh Gulf Seafood. But you can only score those gift certificates to some of the best restaurants in Acadiana by becoming a member of our rewards club. So go sign up today. It's easy. It's free. We even have a video to show you how to do it now. Just go visit the website, 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com so you can sign up today and win. There's great prizes inside our clubhouse. Talk to Houston Astros. They fall last night, snapped their five-game winning streak as they lose 7-5 to five to the Oakland Athletics. Oh, always those pesky A's. They'll get back in action tonight. 840 is going to be first pitch from Oakland, of course. You can listen to the game live right here on the game. Astro launch will begin at 8 o'clock. First pitch, 8 40. Shows fall. Preseason all Sunbelt teams come out. Cajuns land five on that. And they're predicted to finish number one in the Sunbelt West and play App State yet again for the conference championship. But let's switch over a little bit to New Orleans Saints. Because this is interesting. Training camp is upon us. And they're going to bring in a couple guys for tryouts. That's right. Saints are bringing in a couple players for tryouts. One of them is running back Jordan Howard. He's coming in for a tryout. That will be today. He spent last season with the Eagles. Remember, he was drafted by the Bears back in 2016. Unhealthy, he's been a pretty good running back in the National Football League. And 
but he's been a little inconsistent. He's only 27 years old from Fairfield, Alabama, six foot, 222 pounds, and we know the Saints are in in the market to getting running back depth. They like the kid out of Baylor that they signed as an undrafted rookie. They like him a lot. They gave him a quarter of a million dollar contract for a reason. Right? It's a quarter of a million. But they feel like there's a suspension coming for Alvin Kamara that still has not been resolved. Once again, his hearing is not until next month for the altercation that took place in Las Vegas. You know, no matter how that goes down, no matter if he pleads down and has to serve no jail time, if he gets, gets played down to a misdemeanor, you know there's a punishment coming from Roger Goodell in the NFL. How much does Mark Ingram have left in the tank? Eh. Tony Jones Jr. was supposed to be the star last year, right? The, 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 the training camp find. A lot of people wrote a bunch of stories about him. He got injured. But then when he did play, he wasn't very good. So they brought in some guys for tryouts. They've kicked the tires on some other running backs. They're doing so again as they're bringing in Jordan Howard. He's played for the Bears, the Eagles, the Dolphins, and last, and last year played for the Eagles yet again. Now, he was a pro bowler in 2016 as a rookie for the Bears. He was named to the all-rookie team. And in his career, he's rushed for more than 4,300 yards, averaging 4.3 yards a pop, 37 rushing touchdowns. He can also catch the ball, which, of course, the Saints love their running backs to be able to do, nearly 700 yards receiving in more than 80 receptions. But what does he have left? You know, you're this early in your career, you're only 27 years old, and you're already looking to be on your 15. Not, this is not someone that people are, you know, fighting over, vying for. But if you're the Saints and you're just looking at bringing in a guy to provide depth, to be the number two, to be the number three running back, just to help kind of help out when, whenever Kamara gets suspended, this is a solid move, especially if you can get it on a team-friendly deal. The other interesting guy that they're bringing in for a tryout is a defensive lineman. And the USFL's Defensive Player of the Year, Chris Odom. He's going to be working out today as well. Odom led the league with 12 and a half sacks this spring for the USFL. He also had four blocked kicks, six forced fumbles, and eight tackles. Now that's interesting. Now we know that Marcus Davenport is injured yet again. The former first-round pick from UTSA had to have a, a weird off-season surgery. He had to amputate part of a finger. He's going to start training camp off on the pup list. And the first-round pick out of Houston last year, defensive lineman, remember he was injured for the majority of the season. You can't have enough depth across your defensive line. And this makes a lot of sense for the Saints to bring the guy. Now, you saw how productive he was in the USFL. Caliber of competition is different. I get that. But Odom was a star at Arkansas State, and he bounced around the NFL a little bit, playing for the Falcons, Packers, and the Washington football team slash Redskins slash Commanders. 
but went undrafted out of Arc State, has bounced around the league, played in the CFL as well, and of course was the Defensive Player of the Year for the Houston Gamblers in the USFL this spring. But this is a guy that was a first-team all-Sun Belt honoree back in college for the for Arkansas State, so could he help them? Maybe he can also help them on special teams, but you can't have enough defensive linemen. So both of those guys are coming in for tryouts today, Howard and Odom, and that leads us to our poll question of the day, which has already been up, and you can go vote on that on Facebook and Twitter. Leave your comments on both platforms as well. Which guy of the two that are trying out, which two, which one of these two, rather, should the Saints sign? Who do you guys want the Saints to go after? Should they sign defensive end Chris Odom, former Arkansas State star and USFL's Defensive Player of the Year? Should they try to sign journeyman running back Jordan Howard? Or should they try to sign both of them? That is our poll question of the day. We want you to go vote on that right now. 50% of you say running back Jordan Howard, 33% say both of them, and 17% say defensive end Chris Odom. Let's head out to the game hotline. Welcome on Chris to the show. Chris, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good, man. I just wanted to say good morning, everybody, and uh, congratulations to Saints fans out there because as far as I'm concerned, the, the long off season um, that we've dealt with is over. Training camp starts today, and at least we will have you know bits and pieces leading up to preseason and, and the regular season. Um, I just want to say, you know, I really believe going into this season that the Saints have a very legit shot to make it to the Super Bowl. I do believe that. My question for you is, um, and I know it's all hard to play on, but how much of an impact will Dennis Allen being a defensive coach, Sean Payton being an offensive coach of, uh, on this season with the team? Appreciate the phone call, Chris. Yeah, it, I mean, we're marching down towards the season now. You can start feeling it. You go through media days. You're gearing up. College football is going to be here Labor Day weekend. High school football is going to begin Labor Day weekend. NFL the following week. So it's right around the corner. Look, for the Saints – Dennis Allen, look, they made a smart move and a safe move, right? They know someone that understands their culture, understands what they want, is well-respected in the locker room. The defensive players love him. And this team became more of a defensive-minded team anyway in the last couple of years. When Drew Brees started to kind of, after the championship game loss to the Rams, you know, Drew was banged up, and then it, it, the offense started to take a, a little bit of a dip down. This team has become more of a defensive team anyway. It will be interesting to see, though, even though I think the defense is going to be top 10 once again, and you add guys like Tyron Matthew and Marcus May, you add quality players to the mix. They have a great culture there, especially with the defense. You worry about the defensive line's health because it's been an issue. Can they get that on track would be the big question mark for me. That said, it, it all falls on the offense. How healthy is Michael Thomas? 
once again, he's on the pup list to start training camp. Are we ever going to see him be what he used to be? I don't know. I'm not for sure if we're going to. I really don't. But if you can have a healthy Michael Thomas, that would be good. You added Jarvis Landry, you got Chris Olave. Wide receiving core should be good. Can Doug Marone fix the offensive line? That's fixing Andres Pete, teaching him how to actually pass block. He's coming off an injury. And fixing Cesar Ruiz and have him actually be a legitimate starting right guard. I'm not as concerned about the running back depth as a lot of people are. And I'm not that concerned about Jameis Winston. You don't need Jameis Winston to be Drew Brees. You just need to be Jameis Winston to be a guy that can throw 30 touchdowns and less than 15 picks. You'll be fine, especially with that defense. So we'll see. Appreciate the phone call, Chris. Have a great day, bud. We got to take a timeout. We will wrap up our number one that's coming up next. You're listening to RP3 and Company. Once again, we are broadcasting live from Radio Row here at the Hotel Sheraton for Sunbelt Conference Football Media Days. Our coverage is presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands. And we got more coming up right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Want to know what went down today in New Orleans at Sunbelt Media Days? Not to worry. The game has you covered. Back to more of the game Sunbelt Media Days coverage presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Already getting plenty of good reaction to our poll question of the day, which is which player trying out today should the Saints sign? Once again, former Arkansas State all-conference player, defensive end Chris Odom, who was your USFL Defensive Player of the Year as he led the league in sacks. He's got a tryout today for the New Orleans Saints. You could always use some more defensive line help, especially that unit is always banged up, it seems like, for the Saints. Also, running back Jordan Howard, kind of a journeyman running back. He's going to be coming in for a tryout as well. Right now, 47% of you voting on the poll question today say both of them, that the Saints should sign both players. 40% say running back Jordan Howard, and 13% say defensive end Chris Odom. Hart on Twitter says, something I thought of the other day, Hill was trucking people. <laughs> what does he say? He says, Hill was trucking people out on those. Hill was trucking people at a 215-220 quarterback weight. Can you imagine if he puts on 20 to 25 pounds, the potential for dominance at the tight end position if he's able to stay healthy? I do wonder about that. I do wonder how much they're going to utilize him and how good he could be. JPK, the OD, says Chris Odom. Contrary to popular opinion, we are just fine at running back. AK-41 will serve his suspension next year. Mark Ingram is pumped up for one last epic ride. And Abram Smith, that's the young man out of Baylor, is going to be the second coming of Pierre Thomas. Please, please just cut Tony Jones Jr. right now. Darren chimes in, number one Raging Cajun fan of RP3 and company. He says, you need more than one running back. Ingram is like 47 years old. Kamara can't line up and get you four to five yards when the defense knows you're running that Ingram's or Murray's or Taysom's job. You may need two running backs. So keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Right now, we got to take a timeout. Our number one is in the books. 
hour number two coming up, we'll start having our slew of interviews. That's all coming up as we broadcast live from Sunbelt Conference Media Days here inside the Hotel Sheraton in downtown New Orleans. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has taken over the Big Easy for the Sunbelt Conference Media Days. It's time for a special Sunbelt Media Days edition of RP3 and Company, presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands. Now, here's your big, bald, beautiful host, RP3. Oh, welcome back to RP3 and Company as we're broadcasting live from Radio Row inside the Hotel Sheraton for Sunbelt Conference Media Days here in New Orleans. The one-day event is now a two-day event as the conference has expanded to add additional teams to both divisions. Things are going to be now restructured, and it's exciting, man. You already have coaches here on Radio Row. I see Coastal Carolina's Jamie Chadwell. I see App State's Sean Clark. So a bit of a buzz. Media members are starting to get into the main ballroom here. Radio Row, unlike last year, when we were inside the main area, this year we're inside the room right off set the ballroom, which gives us a little bit more privacy to conduct our interviews. But the main stage is set. They got the championship trophy. They Not to worry, they also have the championship wrestling belt as well. It's back it's here, and I'm sure players will be taking turns today putting that bad boy on as we kick off Sunbelt Conference season with Media Days here in New Orleans. We do have a poll question of the day. Need to keep voting on that. We'll continue discussing that throughout today's show. Once again, New Orleans Saints are bringing in not one, but two guys for tryouts today. Defensive end Chris Odom, formerly a star, ironically enough, at Arkansas State. He was your USFL Defensive Player of the Year with the Houston Gamblers as he led the league in sacks. He's coming in to help give them depth, if you will, across the defensive line, which you, you can't – look, you can't hurt. Your rookie that you took out of Houston last year uh, was injured most more than half the year. Marcus Davenport is injured yet again. He had to have part of a finger amputated. He's starting off on the pup list for training camp. So adding a guy like Chris Odom, even though he's a bit of a journeyman in the NFL, gives you some depth across the defensive line. That's not a bad thing. If they do decide, if they end up signing him, once again, that's not a done deal. He's just coming in for a tryout. Don't forget that. And the same thing for running back Jordan Howard. Jordan was a pro bowler as a rookie for the Bears, but he's bounced around. Played for the Eagles a couple times, played for the Dolphins. He's on the street. He doesn't have a home. Now, he's averaged more than 4.3 yards per carry in his career. He can also catch the ball out of the backfield, which we know the Saints love to do. But once again, they keep kicking the tires on guys. This tells me that they want to add someone to that running back room. They may be high on the Abram kid. So am I. You don't give a undrafted rookie a quarter of a million-dollar guaranteed contract if you don't. Plain and simple. And they still believe in Mark Ingram but I think they feel like Kamara's going to get suspended. So they're trying to be proactive, and they keep kicking the tires on veteran journeyman running backs. Will they actually sign one? Jordan Howard coming in 
for a tryout today as well. So that's our poll question of the day. Which player trying out today should the Saints sign? 45% of you say both of them. 44% say running back Jordan Howard. And 11% say defensive end Chris Odom. So keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming as well for our poll question of the day as we broadcast live here from Sunbelt Conference Media Days. Astros were in action last night. They lost 7-5 to to the Oakland Athletics. That snaps a five-game winning streak for Dusty Baker's team. Now, look, they, they gave up a slew of runs early there in the fourth and the fifth. That puts them in the hole. They tried to battle back out of it, tried to climb out of the hole, unable to do so. Jake Odorizzi, another so-so eh, start. And we've talked about this with how deep this rotation is, right? Verlander is a Cy Young candidate. Framer Valdez is a fellow all-star. And then, you know, you have Arquiti and you have Garcia. Garcia, who, by the way, is going to take the bump tonight for the Strohs when they take on the Athletics from Oakland. First pitch, 840. You can listen to that game live right here on the game, of course. That's one thing. They have a ton of depth, particularly with their starting pitching. They can go five, six deep. Here's the thing. There's going to be an odd man out. Because Lance McCullers Jr. is going to be coming up. He's going to be coming back. The rehab assignments are going well. He is making immense amounts of progress. He's going to be coming back up to the roster. Someone's going to have to lose their job. And do the Astros decide to take one of these starting pitchers and decide to push them, maybe trade them to get some backup outfielders? Maybe go get a left-handed relief pitcher. Do they use that? That's going to be interesting to see. But Jake Odorizzi's not doing himself any favors. He's 4-3 and three now. Of course, he was injured for a good portion of the season. He came back looked good in that first start off the injury, but he's looked so-so ever since. Not to mention, I've said it again, the Astros have the best pitcher in the minor league system. <laughs> he's just hanging out in Sugarland, waiting to be called up in AAA. So... Could Jake Odorizzi be the guy that kind of plays him way out of having a spot, right? Or do one of these guys go and become a middle reliever, get put into the bullpen, or do you trade one of them? It's going to be interesting to see what the Strohs do there moving forward. But Jake Odorizzi, not great last night. He gets tagged with a loss. He drops to 4-3 and three on the season, and the Strohs have their five-game winning streak snapped. They'll look to get back on track once again tonight. 8.40 first pitch for Astros at Athletics live from Oakland. Pre-game Astro launch will begin at 8 o'clock, and then first pitch will begin at 8.40. You can listen to that game live right here on the game. Going to put the Astro talk aside. We're going to put Saints talk aside because it's time for us to get our interviews going here on Radio Row. That's going to be coming up next, our first one. We're going to be talking to the man who's in charge of Old Dominion. 
That's coming up next right here on RP3 and Company. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Just because we're in New Orleans doesn't mean we don't want to hear from you. Call The Game Hotline at 337-706-0111 or comment on our Facebook page. Back to more of The Game Sunbelt Media Days coverage presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and The Wetlands here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette. And 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, welcome back to RP3 and Companies. We broadcast live from Radio Row here for Sunbelt Conference Media Days inside the Hotel Sheraton in downtown New Orleans. And of course, well, I told you, I promised you. A slew of guests would be joining us today, and he is our first one. Let me tell you a little something about our first guest. He took a team that went 1-11 in 2019 and then didn't play in 2020 due to the global pandemic. And you know what he did? I don't know. He led them to five straight wins into a bowl game, becoming only the third team since 1936 to start the season 1-6 and six or worse and win six games. Led them to a bowl game. He's the man in charge of Old Dominion. They're one of our new teams in the Sun Belt Conference. He's making his RP3 and Company debut. Ricky Ronnie is our guest coach. Welcome. Thank you for being here, bud. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, let's talk a little bit about the fact that you guys are in a new conference. What is that like for you and your staff and the athletic department and the university as a whole to be now a member of the Sunbelt Conference? Well, it's a great opportunity for us. I mean, you know, 14 teams, 10 contiguous states. For us, last year, our average conference travel was over 1,000 miles. Oh. And this year, our average conference travel is going to be 500. And then I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't, you know, being disingenuous, so I checked next year's conference travel, and it's actually lower. It's, it's, it's just about 520. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it's unbelievable that we're basically in two years of conference travel and eight games. We're going to travel as much as we did in one year um, in our old conference. So just being able to do that and the type of rivalries and our fan interest we're going to be able to generate because these are teams that our fans can – let's be real about it. These, these are teams our fans can hate. You know, and, and there's some, yep. that's what college football is built on, you know. And so, you know, those are the things. That passion is, is important. Yeah, and you also give your, your fans the opportunity to be able to travel and go to games. And that's what I think the Sun Belt's done so well when we're in this era of realignment and you've been a coach for a long time and you've seen a lot of this take place. The Sun Belt is very much going, hey, we want – we're adding teams, but we're adding teams already in our footprint. And we're making it – easier for fans to be able to see games for families to go see games and like you said reduce the travel costs for our member institutions yeah i think it's it's obviously it's really really important for football but it's unbelievably important for other sports absolutely Uh, and and i think that that's something that we can't you know we want to make the student athlete experience great across the board and uh you know i mean it's unbelievable when some of these sports who travel a lot more than we do you know, we travel six times. Some of these other sports travel 14, 15, 16 times. And, and so be able to keep that, you know, where it's a lot of them are bus trips and things like that, that that's something that's going to be great. It makes it easier for our student athletes. It obviously makes it more enjoyable for our fans that they can get to these games. And, and I just love how we're diving into, you know, the tradition of college football. Let's talk about your path here. Let's go back. 
you know, you started off as a grad assistant at, at Kansas State. You worked there, coached running backs, coached tight ends. You were able to coach underneath a man, a legend, uh, a college football Hall of Famer, uh, Bill Snyder. What were some of the lessons that you learned from Coach? Well, always be prepared. I mean, and, and, and everything matters. Every minute matters. Um, you know, with Coach Snyder, we would have to turn in, as coaches, we'd have to turn in an agenda for our meeting every single day. And on that agenda, you had to talk about, you know, the core values of the team every day. You had to talk about something academically in every meeting. You had to talk about, you know, um, the expectations of practice and then also get into the scheme. So what I learned was it wasn't, you know, as a young coach, I was all about the X's and O's. And, and under Coach Snyder, you start to learn that there's a lot more to it in order to get the most out of your players. While you were also there at Kansas State, you started working with an up-and-coming coach, James Franklin, who obviously you would follow and join him at Vanderbilt. You coached underneath him there, and then you joined him and coached with him at Penn State. What are some of the things that you learned from uh, Coach Franklin? Well, energy. Um, oh, he's, he got, he's got that he, now. You definitely learned that. You learned energy. Um, and, and, and you learn that, you know, how important recruiting is. And you learn to build relationships with people. Um, and, and obviously, Coach Franklin and I are going to recruit a little bit different from each other. But I learned, you know, you got to build relationships with kids. You got to do those sort of things. Um, he's one of my, you know, very good friends. He's actually the, the godfather of my, old, of my youngest son. And, uh, you know, I mean, he's a great person. And, and I was lucky to learn under him. And, and uh, you know, we had a, a great uh, overall 11 years, but nine years in a row together, which is unbelievable. So walk me back through your process of arriving at Old Dominion. Were you hired before the pandemic hit? or So you, you, you take the job, you, you get the opportunity to be a head coach, you leave. Penn State is the OC quarterbacks coach coming off an 11-2 season, a great season that year in 2019. You get your head coaching job, you get your dream job, and then the pandemic hits, and then you don't have a season. How did you deal with that? Yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting time. Uh, my family and I had planned a trip to Germany for forever, my wife and I, and we were actually in Germany when uh, President Trump made the announcement that he was shutting down the borders, and, the, and actually it was the same day I, I found out that our spring practice was canceled. Um, and so then I, I didn't go back, because my family hadn't moved yet. I didn't go back to um, Norfolk until basically six months after that so oh, <laughs> I'm, wow. basi I'm basically the head coach of old dominion and i'm running it out of pennsylvania out of a house in pennsylvania on zoom so that was an interesting time um and then it, and then when we didn't have the season in 2020 um that was that was hard you know everyone loves football i love the games and all those sort of things and we didn't and we didn't play in that season and we were one of three teams in the in in you know the fbs who didn't play um and to keep the kids together was hard, but I think it really brought us together for the next season. We're talking with Old Dominion head football coach Ricky Ronnie. He joins us here on Radio Row for Sunbelt Conference Media Days inside the Hotel Sheraton in downtown New Orleans. So while you're trying to coach a team while in isolation and you can't really practice and it's, you know, during a pandemic, what did you learn about yourself, not only as a leader of man, but just as a coach? And, and, and how you're organized and how you address things and how you go about your day. I think it taught you to be it taught me how much I love the game of football. You know, I mean, it was hard for me that year to watch games. You know, I'd wake up and, and everyone would think I was just going to watch college football all day. I couldn't watch those morning games. 
I mean, I had to go do something else and kind of work in, like, work myself into watching maybe the night game. So that was really, really hard for me. And, you know, as a, it, it also taught me I need to find other ways to connect to my guys, whether it's text messages every day, whether it's a call to certain guys, whether it's just, you know, but I had to find new and creative ways to do that. Um, and ultimately, over time, it ended up being a blessing because it allowed us to focus on fundamentals. We were able to practice, so we had basically an extra spring practice right there. So we really focused on techniques and fundamentals and not as much on scheme. And I think that really helped us overall when you look at our tackling numbers and some of our other things that we did you know, late last year. You start off the season, it, it, it couldn't have gone worse for you to, to start off the season what, one in six. What was the message to your guys during the slow start because obviously you knew you had the potential to turn things around you knew you had something special brewing there with the with the club but what was the message to the guys because look you're still dealing with 18 19 20 21 years old they, they get discouraged right and and they they get a little bit more easily discouraged than probably you do so what was your message to your guys yeah and, and you know the 18 19 21 those guys are but we also had some six-year guys who stayed around and didn't have to you know, and so you feel a responsibility to those guys to give them the type of college experience that they stayed around to have. So, but we talked about 1-0. That's one of our things we talk about all the time is 1-0. You know, move on to the next game, move on to the next play, move on, be focused on exactly where you're at right now all the time. And that was a huge thing for us, and that was what we really focused on. We kept doing it. I mean, we had, you know, we lost by one point, we lost in overtime, we lost by three points, and we had a lead in the fourth quarter. So it's not like we were getting blown out. I mean, these were these were close games, and, and our kids were right there, and they knew it. Um, and so we just had to keep plugging along, and there were a few things. I, I would just show them, hey, here are the plays that have, have kept us from winning. And we don't know if they're in the first quarter, the fourth quarter. There are no big plays. Every play is a big play. So we just had to focus on that, and I think overall it turned out to, you know, help us in, in, down the stretch. Looking back – what was the big turning point for you? Because sometimes it can be in a game or it can be a game, but sometimes it could be a practice after a game, right? Mm -hmm. So what was the turning point for, for the Monarchs last year that where you guys were able to finish the season so strong and get into a bowl game? Well, like I said, I think there wasn't like one maybe magic moment, but we won the Louisiana Tech game when we were losing the fourth quarter. We kicked a game-tying field goal with, I think, a minute and 32 left. Uh, Louisiana Tech ended up trying to go and win the game. We got the ball back and kicked a game-winning field goal as time expired. And obviously, after losing some close games, winning a close game like that was a huge deal. And it was our first conference win in a long time. And, and uh, so that was, a big, that was a big moment for us. And I think it gave the guys the confidence that not only we knew we could play with people, but we could finish games and actually get the win. What did it mean to you and your staff to have you guys not only finish strong, which is always the goal, right, but you guys finish strong and also get into a bowl game? What did that mean to you when you guys got that information, received the news that despite the slow starts of the season, because the way you finished, because the way that you rallied as a team, your team was going to get to be able to experience playing in a bowl? Yeah, and it was close there for a while. We didn't know because there was one more bowl eligible team than there were spots. So yeah, we were right. we were nervous, and I was campaigning and and doing those sort of things. So 
it was an awesome moment because those kids really deserved it. You know, we had a bunch of guys who stayed. We had, you know, we had like seven, six-year players and things like that. Um, we got a great opportunity to play a place where we could, you know, bus to our fans could get to, and uh, you know, playing in Myrtle Beach. Um, so that was an awesome deal, and and we played a, t a tough opponent in Tulsa, um, who was a very experienced team and a, and a good football team. So I think that was a good learning experience for us too. And I think for me, it was a good learning experience because it helped. How am I going to deal with academics next time we're in a bowl game and some things like that, which are a little bit different for me because, you know, the places I'd been, academics were two, three weeks over by the time you played in the bowl game. Here, we're in the middle of finals and we're at the bowl site. So, yeah. you know, there's some there's some differences that we had to, you know, uh, work through. Let me ask you this. Let's look ahead to this season. Um, I look at your schedule. It's not a cupcake schedule by any stretch, Coach, <laughs> just in, ca in case no one had told you this yet. I I'm looking on here. Uh, you get to host Vatek, which is which is cool. Is all get out to in your season opener, but at East Carolina, at Virginia, then you open up conference play versus Arkansas State, but you do so at home, right? But then you play Liberty in non-conference, but you got that game at home as well. And then of course Coastal, Georgia Southern, Georgia State, Marshall, James Madison, App State, and South Alabama. Uh, it's a bit of a gauntlet, <laughs> but you know. When you look at this schedule, you know, what's going to be the mindset heading into camp to get prepared to not have that slow start and build up some momentum to take your program to another level here in year two? Yeah, I think the number one thing we got to focus on in, in, in camp, we got to focus on ourselves. We, we've got to build up those fundamentals. We've got to do the things that are going to help us win football games, whether it doesn't matter who the opponent is. And we've got to do that really through the first 16 practices. That's got to be the focus. If we try to beat, you know, Virginia Tech on every single practice, that's not sustainable throughout the year. We've got to, we've got to make sure that we're winning games, you know, the right way. And, and, and first, you've got to learn how to not beat yourself. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. Um, but it's an unbelievable – the other thing we're, we're on, this is an opportunity. You know, I mean, you can look at it as an obstacle or an opportunity. For us, it's an opportunity. We get to play two ACC schools, which is unbelievable. We get to play four FBS teams from the state of Virginia, which is going to let us test ourselves. It's an opportunity for our fans to go against some people that they really see as rivals and they see as, as, as some big-time opponents for us. So this is, this is a great schedule. Um, I'm excited about it. You know, is it challenging? Yeah. But, I mean, I think that that's what we all want in life. We all want a challenge. We all look for challenges. That's why we got into this business. And so I'm excited to be able to, you know, play some teams. And, you know, we play Virginia Tech at the next 10 years in a row. So we play five at home, five at their place. So we're going to get to experience all that sort of, all the, all the uh, pomp and circumstance of their entrance and all that sort of stuff. But then we're going to play on the same field as we always do. So, you know, the, the one thing about going to all these places, the field dimensions don't change. The game doesn't change. The rules don't change. We've just got to control what we can control, go in there and, and play the brand of football I know that we can. Coach, appreciate your time, brother. Thank yep. you so much. Best of luck to you and the Monarchs this season. That is Ricky Ronnie. He's entering his second season, third year, but second season in charge of Old Dominion. They're coming off a great season where they finished so strong, got into a bowl game. They're looking to build upon that as they enter the Sunbelt Conference as one of the four new teams entering the conference for this season. we got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company from Radio Row for Sunbelt Conference Media Days is coming up right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home.
for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time for us to head back down to the Big Easy for more of the game Sunbelt Media Days coverage presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to RP3 and Company right here. Broadcasting live from Radio Row inside the Hotel Sheraton for Sunbelt Conference Media Days. More and more coaches are coming through Radio Row. You're starting to see more and more media members kind of trickle in to the main hall, which is right here where we're set up today for Radio Row and for tomorrow. We're the last table right here by the doors entering the big hall. So we get to kind of sneak a peek in there, see all the activity, which is kind of convenient. Sunbelt Conference hooking us up today, I see. But we're here today and tomorrow. Don't forget, following RP3 and company, Kevin Foote in footnotes will be broadcasting live from here as well. He's got a great lineup of coaches as well. And then in the afternoon, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh will be broadcasting live as well. So we're going to have not one but three local shows each day, today and tomorrow, live from Sunbelt Conference Media Days. Once again, our coverage here on Radio Row is presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and The Wetlands. So we appreciate their support for serving as sponsors, for helping make this happen for us so we can bring you all the news and notes coming out of Sunbelt Conference Media Days. And it, look, there's excitement about the Sunbelt now. The expansion of adding James Madison, Old Dominion, Marshall, and Southern Miss, reshuffling the divisions. Troy is now in the West instead of being in the East. There's some new coaches that are out and about. So it's, it's going to be fascinating. It's a lot of buzz. And when I love what the Sun Belt did is that they kind of stayed in their footprint, right? When they added teams, they added teams from existing states or neighboring states. That way, the conference is all connected. You, you don't have a situation like they're doing in the Big Ten where you have Rutgers in USC, and there's a bunch of states in between that they don't have any teams for. You heard the old Dominion coach who just joined us talking about how much it's going to reduce their travel mileage. By half. By half. That's a huge deal for these schools, especially in the era of realignment and especially for group of five schools to be able to have these conferences be more economically friendly to them and their athletic departments. And it's just not a football thing. We focus on football because obviously we're here for football media days. But what about basketball, baseball, and softball? We, we always forget about them when it comes to conference realignment talk and expansion, but travel costs impact them more than it does football. It just does. It's more of a hindrance. So the fact that the Sun Belt is trying to stay in its footprint and trying to have its conference be all connected is a huge deal for the conference. Just absolutely smart moves on their part. We do have a poll question of the day. It is, which player trying out today should the New Orleans Saints sign to their active roster? Once again, they're bringing in two players for tryouts today. 
That's going to be defensive end Chris Odom. He played at Arkansas State. He was an all-Sunbelt Conference uh, player there. Bumped around the NFL a little bit, but was the defensive player of the year for the USFL this year for the Houston Gamblers. So he's coming in for a tryout for the New Orleans Saints today. They need some defensive line depth, right? They're always banged up across the defensive line, the Saints are. They have great, talented players, but they're always kind of banged up. Can't have enough bodies across the D-line. In addition, running back Jordan Howard. This was a guy that was a pro bowler as a rookie, but he's bounced around. He's only 27, though. He's only 27. It, when, you, when you talk about running backs, it seems like the younger we go off from being over the hill at 33, now to 30, and now it's like if a guy is 27, he's, he's, he's going to be done. It's insane the way the National Football League works now. But he's coming in for a try as well. They could use running back depth. So our poll question is, which player trying out today should the Saints make sure is a priority to sign? 45% of you say running back Jordan Howard. 38% of you say both of them. And 17% of you say defensive end Chris Odom. Steve has chimed in on Twitter. While reaching for USFL players, new coach, quarterback returning from injury, number one wide receiver coming in off a two-year layoff, no Alvin Kamara at least for six games, O-line issues, kicker coming back off an injury, medicine season on its way, hashtag too many questions. A lot of people are down on the Saints. I'm actually kind of high on them. But remember, look, this is a team that last year played four different quarterbacks, their all-pro wide receiver missed the entire season. They lost their Pro Bowl left guard for most of the season. They had COVID issues not once but twice. And they still nearly made the playoffs. <laughs> and and I, I get it. Everyone wants to write them off. I understand. I, I get it. But this is a team that still nearly made the playoffs, had a winning record, and still nearly made the playoffs last year with all of that. If they can have consistent quarterback play from Jameis Winston, he doesn't need to be Drew Brees. 30 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, about 3,600, 3,700 yards passing. They're going to win a lot of ball games. Plus, they brought in Doug Marone. Don't forget about the offensive line, guys. Doug Marone is a whiz when it comes to the offensive line. He's been brought in to fix them, to add to their depth. I like the moves they made. They added the Honey Badger. They added Marcus May on the defensive side of the football. Then they go out and they get themselves Jarvis Landry. The only thing Jarvis does is catch the ball. That's all he does. Just keeps catching the ball over and over and over again. I like the moves that the Saints make. Don't be surprised if they're a wild card team. Don't be surprised if they are a playoff team. Keep voting, though, on our poll question of the day. Keep commenting. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids on there. Don't get crazy. we got to take a timeout. When we return, we're going to talk to a first-year head coach in the Sunbelt Conference, but a man who knows coaching and has had immense amounts of success in his career. Clay Hilton is going to be joining us live next here on Radio Road. That's coming up. You're listening to RP3 and Company as we broadcast live from Sunbelt Conference Media Days. And, of course, our covers is presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. July 26, 1988. Philadelphia Philly slugger Mike Schmidt sets a National League record, appearing in 2,155 games at third base. 
That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The game 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. That's right. The red-hot Houston Astros take on the Baltimore Orioles on Saturday, August 27th, and you can be there. Simply go register in the game clubhouse to score yourself four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. That's right. Strohs, Orioles. Orioles are one of the hottest teams in baseball as well. Saturday, August 27th, you can be there. We'll let you figure out who you want to take with you, whether that's family or friends. That's your decision. That's your call. That's not ours. We just want to hook you up with the four tickets, a tour at Minute Maid Ballpark, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. But you can only win Astros weekend getaways by becoming a member of our clubhouse. So go sign up today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. And Astro weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Our second guest of today's edition of RP3 and Company as we broadcast live from Radio Row here at Sunbelt Conference Media Days inside the Hotel Sheraton in New Orleans is a man who has plenty of head coaching experience and a man that looks to take Georgia Southern to new heights. It's the man in charge of the Eagles, Clay Hilton. Coach, good morning to you, bud. Welcome. Good, good morning. Thanks for having me. All right, we were talking about this off there, so let's just go ahead and get this out of the way. You see the old-school championship wrestling belt out there in the main ballroom. How many times are you going to go over there and try to just strap it across the shoulder today, bud? Well, I think that's one of those things you got to go earn. So I'm going to stare at it a bunch, but I don't think I'm going to touch it until we actually earn it. <laughs> I didn't earn it last year, and I picked it up and put it on my shoulder. So you're good, Coach, if you decide to do that. You're you're. You're fine. You don't have to worry about that, bud. Um, let's let's go back. You get an opportunity to get yourself a, a new job fairly quickly. Go through that process because it, it was so rare that it happened during the season. They had already made a decision. But typically, you have to go through the cycle. They went after you. They were aggressive, and you accepted walk us through that process and why is it such a good fit for you yeah you know i thought it was really proactive and bold on uh jared benko our our athletic director and dr kamara our president to be able to say hey this is the person we want um let's go ahead and bring him in and give the advantage of time i think the greatest gift you can give any coach is time you know usually we get these jobs uh in early december i, I was able to step on campus november 2nd and uh, be able to be there for the last three games and see three weeks of practices and be able to evaluate staff and players and see what our strengths were uh, and what our areas of growth were uh, to be able to not only hire staff but to be able to hire be able to bring on uh, recruits and student athletes so that time that was given I thought was invaluable um, the job growing up in the southeast my dad's a 50-year NFL and college coach who was born in Gainesville Florida um, had the opportunity to play for Coach Dye at Auburn. You, you know the history of Georgia Southern. You know it's a proven product. Six national championships at the FCS level comes into the FBS, has already been to three bowl games in six years. You know the tradition of excellence that's there. Um, 
And I love the community. I love the people. Uh, I love how much they love the university. Um, and, and then uh, I actually got the 11th game of the year, a three-win football team. There we are. It's a beautiful Saturday. And every there's not one empty seat. I mean, it is a packed house. They love the place. Then you talk about the recruiting base, uh, being in the state of Georgia, mm-hmm. surrounded by Florida, South Carolina, Alabama. That 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 recruiting base is so strong that you can get everything right there. It was just one of those jobs that it, it, there's no way to pass up. Um, given the opportunity, I had a great door close uh, at USC. I had another great door open uh, at Georgia Southern and really proud to be in Statesboro. And for you, it's it's coming back home to the South because mm-hmm. a lot of people forget this. You played at Auburn in Houston. Mm-hmm. You're from Florida. Mm-hmm. And you spent the majority of your coaching career before you got on at USC as an assistant coach. Duke, Houston, Memphis. Mm-hmm. You, you spent all of your football life yeah. primarily in the South. Now you get to come back, uh, come back home. What did you learn from your time at USC? Three division yeah. championships, a conference championship. Mm-hmm won a lot of games, mm-hmm. they decided to go in another direction. That mm-hmm. hurts full, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. that, you, 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 your ego always takes a hit when that happens. But what did you learn from that whole process and dealing with everything yeah. that you had to deal with? Uh, I absolutely loved being at USC because it reminds me a lot of, of Georgia Southern. There's a standard uh, of tradition of excellence and a standard that you have to live up to each and every day. Um, you know, and uh, to be a part of something that special and understand that, you know, when you're talking about being in big-time football programs, it's about winning championships. Uh, and, you know, to, to have that championship standard and have to live that each and every day in every aspect of your life, not only as a coach but a player everybody within the organization um, that was something that when you get to be at a USC for 12 years um, it's a, it becomes ingrained in you um, so to be able to bring that to Georgia Southern a place that already knows about championships and to re-engage some players that have had a little bit of dip it was neat to see their hunger and their passion I think all great players love to be coached and love to be coached hard and held to a standard and held to a level of accountability and our players welcomed that and it was uh it was it's been a really neat eight months uh, i i can't wait to see uh it pay off in the fall for these kids um but uh, i think the greatest thing that i learned at usc um is just how important living to a standard of excellence every day consistently is at this at this level you get the opportunity you take advantage of it why not take a season off why not recharge your batteries a lot of coaches would have done that Mm -hmm. a lot of guys would have said you know what i i I just got let go i'm going to take some time off i'm gonna Mm -hmm. go on vacation i'm gonna spend time with the kids or the grandkids and then maybe i'll do like an analyst gig and then come back why was it so important for you just to kind of jump right back Mm -hmm. in yeah i think two reasons one you got to remember um that transition at USC happened at game two, uh, and I had never been out of the game. I, obviously, we all get fired at some point in time. It's oh, part of I the am, part yeah. of the profession. <laughs> yes. uh, but uh, I I'd never had to sit out actual ball games. Usually, you know, it's at the end of the season. But uh, for it to be at game two, there were six weeks there that you truly feel what it's like to be out out of the game, uh, and it didn't feel good. Uh, I've always believed in being a servant to kids. Um, that's the reason I got into it. Uh, it's the reason I've been in college football for 
27 years is to be a part of 18 to 21 year olds lives and to be able to have that six weeks it really reinvigorated me to what my passion is um to what i love to do uh to what i can give to young men uh and um didn't want to sit out uh i was just really fortunate that uh a place like georgia southern um, reached out, had an interest, uh, be able to sit down with them and see if it's a fit for them, see if it's a fit for me, and it was the perfect fit. Um, and rather than second guess, I've always believed if you there's only 130 of these jobs, and if you get to, if you get to be at a place like Georgia Southern and be in Statesboro, Georgia, man, that's like winning the lottery. Um, so to be able to do what I love in a great place, surrounded by great people, uh, is a special thing. Uh, so I don't know how to sit still. Uh, I, I love the game. <laughs> too much we're talking with georgia southern head football coach clay hilton he joins us here on radio row for sunbelt conference media days here inside the hotel sherrington in new orleans let's talk about how much of an advantage do you think it's given you for their decision to hire you so early mm-hmm. you, you mentioned you got to watch the guys you got to mm-hmm. you got to get to know them that gives you a heads up be able to develop these mm-hmm. core relationships and also Talk to some guys who may have thought, well, you know what? They made a coaching change. Mm-hmm. I want to transfer out. Mm-hmm. We do live in the era of the NCAA mm-hmm. transfer portal, Coach. Mm-hmm. How important was it for you to get in there early and mm-hmm. establish these relationships? That way you can implement your system, but more importantly, make that connection with your guys. Yeah, it was imperative uh, to be able to have the that three weeks. You know, usually you get these jobs in December. You hit the ground running. You got two weeks to sign a class. Right. In this situation, I was able to wake up each morning, uh, go hit hit high schools within a three-hour radius, come back for afternoon practice, and then have player meetings at night with our own team and build relationships. You know, so to be able to have three weeks of that, really to be able to share the vision of, of what we're trying to accomplish at Georgia Southern for guys to get to know me uh, as a leader uh, and to be able to truly dive in and get to know them. Um, It's shown general care and concern on both fronts. uh, And guys said, you know what? There's a lot of six-year guys like you'll see one here today, Dylan Springer and Justin Ellis and Todd Glenn Bradley, um, that guys that said, Man, I, I want to be a part of this. I want to come back for a six year and, and, and be do something special and leave with a great taste in my mouth. So that was just as important as the new guys that were coming on uh, because it provided unbelievable veteran leadership and guys that have been on a lot of wars. <laughs> They've been out on that football field for, for a number of years and know what it's like, you know. So um, I cannot thank Jared enough and uh, I thought it was a bold move to hire a guy in early November it was the right move um, and uh, it actually uh, helped us tremendously not only keep our own players uh, on team but also sign 33 newcomers I have to ask you this because you're a veteran coach and of course you coached at USC mm-hmm. but we're, we're, we've reached a, a moment now where USC is in the same conference as Rutgers and realignment and it just feels like coach there's this arms race of adding 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 a guy that played the game played it at a high level has been coaching for a long time look you're focused on your team and your Mm -hmm. conference and obviously Mm -hmm. this conference you're joining just Mm -hmm. added four teams Mm -hmm. itself Does, does realignment 
Does does that worry you at all uh, as a coach? Obviously, as uh, I've been in it 27 years, and you see the landscape of college football change over over basically three decades, and it continues to change and adapt. And part of our job as coaches to be is to be able to adapt with it and continue to lead kids. Um, you know, the fact of the matter is is there is realignment going on across the country. It is part of the ever changing landscape of college football, whether it's via for TV contracts, whether it's for strength of conference. The one thing that you mentioned that I'm extremely proud of and really uh, fired me up about this job was the strength of the Sun Belt. Yep. You know, to be able to, you see all these conferences that are breaking apart. Here's a con- conference led by Commissioner Gill and, uh, and, and 14 presidents that are really bound together. And not only did they stay together, they made it stronger. You know, yep. you bring in a Marshall, a Southern Miss, a James Madison, an Old Dominion, you know, you, you're really strengthening a conference to where I think it's going to be the premier group of group of five conference. Uh, when you look up, you're going to see two, three, four, four top 25 teams in this conference year in and year out. And I don't think anybody wants to play uh, this league. Um, they're good good teams, good coaches, good players, uh, and guys that if you don't do your do your best job, uh, they're going to beat your butt. And there so, it is. So uh, I, I'm very proud to be a part of this as we change, this landscape changes uh, across college football to be, to be able to represent this conference. Coach? Appreciate the time. As always, brother, congratulations on the gig. Best of luck this coming season. And I can't wait to see what you're going to be able to do at Georgia Southern. Appreciate it. Hail Southern. (laughs) That's Georgia Southern head coach Clay Hilton joining us here on RP3 and Company as we broadcast live from Radio Row for Sunbelt Conference Media Days. we got to take a timeout. That's going to do it for hour number two, hour number three. Right around the bend. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is taking over the Big Easy for the Sunbelt Conference Media Days. It's time for a special Sunbelt Media Days edition of RP3 and Company, presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands. Now, here's your big, bald, beautiful host, RP3. Welcome back to RP3 and Company as we are entering our number three of our coverage here from Sunbelt Conference Media Days. We're on Radio Row inside the Hotel Sheraton and lots of buzz building uh, today, day one. We're going to have all the teams from the new revised Sunbelt Conference East Division going to be coming through. The West will be tomorrow, of course. Raging Cajuns will be taking the stage tomorrow, but it's time for us to talk about one of the new members for the Sunbelt Conference. Four new teams added, three in the East, and we're about to talk to a man who's in charge of one of them, and that's one of the best programs at any level. And that, of course, is the man in charge of the James Madison Dukes. He's won 100 games in his career. That's a nice round number. He's had stops in his career at Davidson, Rice, Temple, Pittsburgh, NC State, Alabama, and more. He took over James Madison in 2019. Of course, pandemic impacted them. They had to play two seasons, essentially, in one calendar year last year, and now they enter the Sun Belt Conference. It's our privilege to welcome to RP3 and Company the man in charge of the Dukes, Kirk Segnitti. Kirk, 
Coach, how you doing, bud? I'm doing good. Let's work on that last name one more time. Signetti. <laughs> it's like spaghetti. Signetti. Nice. <laughs> yes, I have a tough I have a tough last name, Coach. People butcher it. I just get used to it all the time. All right. Um, how exciting is it? How exciting is it to be in the Sun Belt Conference and be here for media days? I mean, you know what? It, it, it's always exciting to get ready to start a new football season because there's always hope abounds. Yep. And, you know, hey, look, you were talking about JMU. Like, the spill used to be there's five schools in America you can win a national championship any given year. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, North Dakota State, and JMU. Yep. Whole new ball game now. So – you know, a lot of unknowns out there, excited, players are excited, fans are excited. People, they don't like losing up there. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, Good look, thing I got a long-term contract. Looking at your resume, you don't like losing either, Coach, and you haven't done a, a whole lot of it. Oh, what did you learn about yourself? You've been doing this a long time, but yeah. what did you learn about yourself having to do two seasons in one calendar year last year? You know, honestly, it, from a coaching standpoint, it was great. I mean, we love ball. Uh, we love getting ready for games, playing games, 21 games in a season. You know, we played in the late May, and then uh, we're back in training camp in August. Now, for the players, it was tough. It was a grind. You know, the injury factor was high, coupled with not having an off offseason uh, to train uh, the year before. You know, the injury rate was high. But, like, this year, it's like I feel like I've been on vacation forever after playing two seasons in 21. We played 21 games. That's a lot. You know what I mean? I'm like, wow, it's been a long time since we've gotten ready for a game. So, How do you, as as the head coach, how do you obviously, how do you prepare for that? Because you know the guys don't have the offseason to bounce back and, and deal with injuries. Does that make you more cautious, or did, that, or did you not change your approach at all? You just said, hey, you know what? We have a season to play. We're yeah. going to play our games, and then, you know, whatever happens, happens. Because I know, you know, for some coaches, it was kind of a, a challenge for them. Yeah, and then throw it in with the COVID protocols, which up in the Northeast were pretty strict. Um, you, you had to be flexible, fluid. You had to adjust. It, it just didn't make any sense not to. You know what I mean? So the, the key there was how you balance that and still have a tough mindset as a football team. But really, at the end of the day, like a program like ours that has high standards and expectations, uh, those kids are, are used to laying it on the line on Saturdays, you know. They like playing football. So, you know, the biggest thing for me was just trying to keep them on the field and then, you know, preparing from an X and O standpoint to give ourselves the best chance every Saturday. Let's talk a little bit about your process because, you know, when you took over, you had instant success with the, the Dukes. I mean, that first year you improved the team by seven games. You finished 14-2, and two, and then you reached the national championship game. And then last year, you had to play two seasons, as right. we've been talking about. You won two conference championships and reached the national semifinals in both the spring and the fall. Uh, how are you able to have such great success so early on? Because a lot of times it takes coaches a few years to implement their system, uh, install their process, so to speak, have the kids buy in. They seemingly bought in right off the bat, and you guys have been off and running. Yeah, you know, I think, uh, look, there was a lot of success at JMU 2016-17. You know, they had a little bit of an off year in 18, had something to prove. They got off course a little bit. So we had to just go in there and kind of fix the quarterback some and get the team a little bit more focused. We had players. You know what I mean? We had players. And uh, 
We had a great team. We lost to West Virginia at the end of the game, could have beat them in the opener, and then lost to Trey Lance in North Dakota State. And, you know, the next two years, like you said, we went to the semis. But, you know, both those years, you know, we're, like, ranked number one in the country, and then the seedings come out, and we're, like, three and three or four. And, you know, that semifinal game, instead of being played in Harrisonburg, is played on the road. And that's, that's a big difference. You know, or I think we'd been to three national championships. But uh, it's a great job. You know, we had more than everybody else at the FCS level. But now we're in the Sun Belt, and we don't have more than everybody else. And, and there's a lot of areas of our program uh, that, you know, are going to have to grow uh, so we can get on equal footing. And I'm, I'm talking about just more resource-type things, recruiting department and stuff like that. Other teams in particular, other teams in this conference, App State and before them, Georgia Southern, made that jump from yeah. FCS level to FBS level and succeeded. Yeah. And it, it, you know, does that give you, uh, I don't know, any more confidence or enthusiasm that you guys will be able to make that transition? And look, it's, it's never easy, but maybe it won't be as yeah. daunting as uh, others may view it as. I have no doubt in my mind that we're going to be a championship program. Like, zero doubt. Um, because our brand is so strong, we have good facilities, we've got a good recruiting base, we've got a championship culture. You know, we're going to have money eventually when we get a full-time share. Uh, it's just a matter of how long is it going to take. You know, we're the first team really to ever make this jump and play a full FBS schedule in year one. That's right. Most teams kind of mix and match FCS and FBS. We're playing an FBS schedule right out the shoots and going to file a waiver to try to get eligible for everything in year two. So uh, it's just a matter of time for JMU. You enter a conference that has a ton of success and has had tons of success nationally ranked programs the last couple of years, whether that's Louisiana Raging Cajuns, App State, Coastal Carolina. You know, uh, the conference seems to be strong. Was that a big appeal for you when you guys were going through the negotiations and going through the process of finding a new home, moving up and finding a new home? Uh, was was the Sun Belt as attractive as it seems to some of us? Oh, yeah, no doubt. First of all, on the eastern side, you know, you got great regional rivalries. Uh, a lot of those teams start out 1AA or FCS and moved right. up. JMU's got a history with those teams. Uh you know, Marshall, App State, ODU, Coastal, uh, Georgia Southern. You know, Georgia State's a little bit of a newer school that, you know, won seven or last eight, really good program. Uh, you know, on the other side, every one of those teams have had their day, <laughs> you know, have had uh, their their run. And uh, But the, the regional rivalries on the east uh, were very appealing. Uh, and then on the western side, now you look like at ULL, who was a cut above everybody last year. I mean, they're just an outstanding football team. And, uh, you know, look, there are a lot of changes going on in college football. Who knows, you know, year, two, three, four years, what, what it's going to look like. But I think when you look at the Sun Belt right now, the consensus across the country would be emerging G5 conference, possibly the best in the country. Would you learn – coaching under Nick Saban for those seasons there at Alabama? A lot. You know, how good do you want to be, what it takes to win? I mean, leader, manager, organizer, how to practice, how to recruit, how to handle the team, how to motivate, work ethic, how to structure a day. Uh, and I think, you know, obviously, and my dad was a coach. He's in the College Football Hall of Fame. Um, so I grew up in a coaching family. 
Uh, but, you know, probably learned more from Nick in year one than I had the previous years as an assistant in terms of how, how what you got to do to run a successful program. And, uh, you know, I think everybody that's been in his tree takes a lot of the stuff with them, the core beliefs, and then they tailor it to their personality or their situation. Yeah, you know, they, they always say – I always find this funny because they always say, you know, how tough he is on the coaches, that he may be tougher on his coaches than he is on his actual players. But yet so many guys that coach underneath him end up taking you – know, they're not all the same. They don't have the same personality right. as he does. Yeah. They're, they're, a lot of them are not even as demonstrative as he can be. But all of them always say, I learned something all the time. And that's why you see so many coaches even go back to, to go back there to be on the on the staff uh, is he is he as tough on, on on the coaches as people make it out to be I mean for you it is you're a son of a coach so probably yeah I mean there's a method to his madness there's a reason it is like it is and right. uh, you know he wants it that way the big thing is avoiding complacency and not letting that set in where people have the warm fuzzies and feel <laughs> comfortable or like I got a really good job uh, you're not supposed to feel that way in the office uh, because you know you make progress uh, and, and you do your best when you're uncomfortable and he makes sure that everybody's uncomfortable. Tell us a little bit about this year's James Madison squad. What can we expect to see and, and kind of you know hear from this team? What's the identity, so to speak? Well, you know, the identity's always been fast, physical, relentless, played really good defense, been a physical fly-around football team. Um, a lot of new faces this year, uh, you know, because of graduation, not, and then you throw in the transfer portal, NIL, and everything that's going on across the country. I think everybody has seen their rosters really uh, fluctuate quite a bit this year. So a, a lot of new faces. But I expect, you know, the guys that wear the jersey to kind of honor the guys that wore the jersey before them, so to speak. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because with tradition comes responsibility, and there is a, cult, a championship culture you know, in that locker room, and there are standards and expectations. I do think I've seen us step up in terms of the way we do things, you know, our focus, our commitment during spring ball, during summer workouts. I think our players are excited. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a good coaching challenge. It's a team that's not used to – a fan base that's not used to losing a game, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, to manage and lead this team. And who knows? I, I, we're going to be highly competitive this year. We're going to be in a lot of football games. it would be interesting to see how it shakes out. Wrap it up with this, Coach. What are your expectations heading into the season year one in the FBS level and year one in the Sunbelt Conference? I, I just want to see us work daily to be the best we can be you know, to improve as much as we can on a daily basis, prepare as well as we can, which leads to, you know, positive performance. Uh, and then, you know, let's see what happens. Coach, appreciate your time, as yeah, always, man. brother. Thank you so much. Best of luck and uh, congratulations on joining the conference and moving up. Thanks. Good to talk to you. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and company, more. Time for us to head back down to the Big Easy for more of the game Sunbelt Media Days coverage. Presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, welcome back to RP3 and Company as we broadcast live from Radio Row here at Sunbelt Conference Media Days 
inside the Hotel Sheraton in New Orleans. And we are joined by yet another man in charge of a program. Let me tell you a little bit something about him. Longtime head coach, was an assistant at Mississippi State, also an assistant at Alabama before taking over Marshall. Seven and six with the Thundering Herd led them to a New Orleans Bowl appearance last year where they faced off against the Raging Cajuns. He was also a heck of a player back in the day at Hampton where he played. Fullback, tight end, guard, center, I'm pretty sure it doesn't say here in the in the research. He probably also kicked, punted, uh, probably also was the special teams coordinator while you were a player because you did it all. But it's our privilege to welcome to the program Charles Huff, the head coach of the Marshall Thundering Herd. Coach, welcome back to New Orleans, bud. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Um, not um, every day or every year you get to start a season where you ended it the previous season before. I'm um, still trying to figure out if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I think it was definitely a precursor to um, not only you know making the move into the Sun Belt, but giving us an opportunity to get some exposure with Sun Belt competition, and um, not only the competition, but just the organization of the Sun Belt Conference in a whole. So we're excited. Um, this is kind of the the beginning of the season. It's talking season, um, but it kind of marks the start of the next season. Let's talk a little bit about you know. Year one in the books, what did you learn about yourself as a head coach, a first-year head coach, and what were some of the things that you improved upon uh, from the start of the season to the end of the season and now as you enter season two? Yeah, you know, obviously I think, you know, being a first-time head coach, you, you've got a plan, right? You've got your, you know, who you want to hire and how you want to run practice and all of those things. You know, I think the biggest thing for me was managing and communicating with everyone outside of football. You know, how do you get all the other pieces of the organization that affect football to kind of operate and think and run, you know, like you run the football program. So that was the biggest adjustment for me. Um, I think we've done a really good job at Marshall University with our administrative structure. You know, we had a brand new president, you know, Mr. Brad Smith is, is phenomenal, you know, businessman, business mind, transformal, transformational leader. Um, we've got a new AD, Christian Spears, um, who's got, you know, unbelievable energy, passion and vision. Um, so we, we're getting to that communication part that alignment, you know, from top to bottom that you need to have to have successful programs. Um, moving into this year, you know, we've got 48 new football players on scholarship. 48? 48. We've got 24 uh, incoming freshmen, um, and then we've got 24 transfers. Um, so one of the things that we did was we needed to upgrade our talent level. We needed to upgrade our roster. Uh, we had good players before. You know, last year we just didn't have enough of them. And when we got off the bus here in Louisiana, um, you know, at the Superdome last year for the last game, uh, we only had six defensive linemen that were healthy to play. Um, and as you saw that game, you know, as the game was going on, it was very competitive in the beginning. And obviously the, the endurance and the talent um, started to kind of run away with it at the end. You know, Lafayette had some really good uh, guys up front, and they started leaning on our six guys. You can only rotate two because <laughs> you need right. four of them in the game. Um, so, you know, when we went back and looked, we knew we had to get um, deeper. We knew we had to raise the talent level to compete at this conference. Um, so going into the year, people say, well, how are you going to be? Uh, well, we've got 48 new football players and 10 new staff members. Um, so it's starting all over. Um, the core and the foundation is set. Um, I think we're culturally healthy right now. Uh, I think we're organizationally aligned. Um, so we're excited. In addition to having essentially a brand new team with all the additions from the high school ranks in the transfer portal, you're also joining a new conference. Um, 
look, you're in charge of the team. You, you, you're, you don't concern yourself with the logistics of scheduling and being in conferences and everything like that. But is there a, a, a challenge switching conferences from a head coaching perspective? Yeah, I think it is because I think, you know, as you start to um, plan, organize, recruit, um, you know, kind of make some decisions about – who you're, you know, who you're going to bring into your program, whether that's a coach, whether that's a player, those type of things. Um, and then you switch conferences, and I believe, you know, we did a, you know, took a step up um, in talent level. You know, there's three schools in this conference that have been continuously ranked uh, multiple times in the top 25. Um, so that means the talent level is higher. I think it also means that structurally, <clears throat> when you really break it down and you look at the teams that are successful in this conference, you win six or seven games, that's really good players, really good coaching, good year. When you start winning eight-plus games in multiple years, that is structural alignment. That's from the top down. That's nutrition plan. That's financial support. That's fans. That's season ticket holders. You don't do that year in and year out without that kind of alignment. So we had to go back and look at some of the things that we were doing because now we're competing with that. We're competing right. with programs that have established um, <clears throat> nutrition plans, established fan bases, established season ticket holders, established um, models for how do you win. You know, it's not just, you know, you don't just go out and win, you know. Um, so we had to look at some things internally. We had to look at some things structurally to make sure we're in position. Uh, we talk about closing the gap, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to close our gap on those schools that have consistently won eight, nine, ten games multiple years. Um, you know, there's multiple pieces to that. It's on the field pieces. There's off the field pieces. I think our alignment, um, you know, from an administrative perspective is in a really good spot. Um, and we've got to keep taking steps we're talking with marshall thundering herd head coach charles huff he joins us here on rp3 and company as we broadcast live from radio row for sunbelt conference media days let's talk about the east division it is a gauntlet so many great teams now especially adding you old dominion james madison to a division that already had coastal app state georgia state and georgia southern um, just talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the challenges of, you know, competing in that division with so many uh, high-caliber teams. Yeah, well, I thought I got out of that when I got out of the <laughs> SEC West, um, <laughs> that week-in and week-out grind. Um, no, I, I think, you know, in my opinion, and this is just my humble opinion, that the Sun Belt Conference East is probably now the most competitive division in all the group of five football. Um, and you could probably make the argument that it's more competitive than some other conferences as well. Um, but I think my time at Alabama has given me a little bit of a precursor to what it takes to be able to get your team mentally and physically ready week in and week out. A lot of times people just think, oh, man, it's a tough conference. Yeah, it's, it's a tough conference, but it's not just playing one team or playing another team. It's you play a tough you know, conference ranked in the top 25, you know, week one or week two or week three. You turn right around and you got to load up for another one. You turn right around, you got to load up for another one. And then the schools that are not necessarily ranked in the top 25 are right. still good schools. You know, we, we must have, have really uh, made the conference upset um, <laughs> in some way. Maybe it was our colors. Maybe it was, you know, what the head coach wore at the, you know, Sunbelt Conference, coaches <laughs> conference. I don't know, but – for us to draw from the other side, <laughs> the toughest team on the other side or the most consistent team on the other side, now, too. Now, you do, you're speaking, of course, about the Raging Cajuns. You Absolutely. faced off in the bowl game last year. But you do get that game at home. I had to ask you because we were talking uh, 
earlier uh, about this and looking at games for possible road trips. Now, it's a little bit of a challenge because it's a, it's a, it's a midweek game, but what's the environment like there where you guys play your home games? Yeah, well, I think you know our, our, our fans and our community are so immersed in – to Marshall football um, that you can feel it. You know, you can feel it when you walk down the street. Our players feel it. When recruits come on campus, they feel it. Their families feel it. Um, it's going to help, you know, having having you know a really good team at home, you know, midweek. Um, I believe uh, the, the, the Marshall fans are, are probably as excited um, for that game as they are for, you know, the entire season. Why? Because they've got a really good opponent, you know, in the zone, you know, in Huntington, um, moving into the new conference. Obviously, we got an opportunity to battle them um, in the bowl game as well. So we've got a little bit of a, a history, does that make sense? Yes, sir. Um, so we're, we're excited. You know, I think the Jones going to be rocking. I know the Huntington community is excited. They're probably already um, putting up tailgate tents. Um, so if you guys are coming, I'd suggest you show up a little bit early if you want to get a good parking spot. And i got plenty of good places for you guys to eat while you're there. Yeah, I was, was going to ask you because you, know, you notice, Coach, I'm, um, I'm built like an old lineman. Um, we need those. Everybody, everybody's got a roll, man. <laughs> everybody's got a roll. Um, let's wrap it up with this, Coach. Uh, expectations. You know, obviously, uh, first year in this conference. Obviously, you got a lot of new faces. What's the what's the expectation that you have for this team, and and what's the message to your guys as you begin fall camp here in the next few weeks? Yeah, you know, we we talked about this uh, actually before we before we left, you know, for the for let our guys go for the summer before camp, and it's 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 the bridge between reality and expectations, right? Reality is where we are, expectation is where we want to be. What we've got to do is manage our expectations. You know, we can't manage what ESPN says, or we can't manage what you know ranking comes out. All we can do is every single day instruct the process and take steps towards being the best team that we can be. You know, we got an opportunity to create the identity for the 2022. Marshall Thundering Herd football team and we own that identity whether that identity is what we want it to be whether that identity is what we allow it to be whatever it is we got an opportunity to create that and throughout camp and moving into the beginning part of the season we're going to be working towards creating the identity that we want and managing the expectations that we have set for ourselves um, and I think as a whole um, you know our team is excited um, I think as a whole our team is confident um, but I am also, as a head coach, I'm very aware <laughs> we're, 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 we're going to be into a gauntlet of games. Um, it's going to force us as coaches and players to compete and train and prepare at a high level week in, week out. Coach, appreciate your time. Thank you so much, man. Congratulations on the great first season at the helm of the Thundering Herd. Best of luck to you and the team this coming season. Can't wait to see what you guys do in this new revamped Sunbelt Conference. Thank you guys, man. Appreciate all you listeners out there and go Herd. That's Marshall head coach Charles Huff joining us here on RP3 and Company as we broadcast from Radio Row for Sunbelt Conference Media Days here inside the Hotel Sheraton in New Orleans. we got to take a timeout. When we return, more from Radio Row. That's coming up right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Just because we're in New Orleans doesn't mean we don't want to hear from you. Call the game hotline at 337-706-0111 or comment on our Facebook page. Back to more of the game Sunbelt Media Days coverage presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
Welcome back to RP3 and Company as we broadcast live from Radio Row here inside the Hotel Sheraton in downtown New Orleans. It's media day. It's day one. You know it's a big deal when Cody Juno walks into a room. I mean, it's big time. It's big time. You got him. You got Kevin Foote. Foote's mad because Cody's wearing a nice jacket and Kevin brought pajamas. Not really for sure what's going on there. <laughs> Coming up in about, about less than 10 minutes from right now, less than five minutes from right now, we're going to have our final guest on today's show, Sean Clark, the head man in charge of the Appalachian State Mountaineers. They were picked once again to win the East Division. So we'll wrap up shop with Coach Clark and then close out the show with him here on RP3 and Company. Once again, need to take a moment to thank our sponsors for helping make this happen. Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and, of course, the Wetlands. Without their support, we wouldn't be able to do this and give you these three great shows both today and tomorrow as the Sunbelt Conference expanded its membership and also expanded media days from one singular day to two days. So appreciate their support for helping making this happen. Hey, before we get to the poll question of the day, and letting you know about the updates on that. And that's, of course, Saints-related based on the two guys that are trying out today. I, I want to talk about a cool moment that happened yesterday in Baton Rouge. They finally, finally put up a statue of Pistol Pete Maravich. You know, the PMAC was named after him, but, you know, that always got confused. They're like, well, where there's a statue of Bob Pettit and there's a statue of Shaq. Why isn't there a statue of Pistol Pete, the PMAX named after him? Well, that's because the state owned and operated the PMAC. They're the one that commissioned the Basketball Coliseum. But finally, after so much time, they finally got an opportunity and they unveiled the statue of Pistol Pete Maravich outside of the PMAC last night there in Baton Rouge. They held a ceremony, invite only. Got to see some of it on social media. So. A great moment there. Can't wait to go see how good the statue looks in person when we go over to cover LSU basketball games this coming season. Also joining that Bob Pettit statue, Shaq statue, and, of course, the statue of now Pistol Pete, they will be building a statue of Simone Augustus, who quite possibly could be the greatest female athlete the state ever produced and definitely on the Mount Rushmore of LSU athletes of all time. So that'll be coming down the pipe, so to speak. Poll question of the day. We asked you, which player trying out today should the Saints sign? Once again, former Arkansas State defensive end, a guy that played in the NFL for a handful of years, but led the league in sacks for the USFL earlier this year in the spring. He was the defensive player of the year for the USFL. He's trying out. That's Chris Odom. He's trying out for the New Orleans Saints. They could use some defensive line depth. As we know, they're banged up. Marcus Davenport is injured yet again, had part of his finger amputated. He's on the pup list. And the rookie that they drafted in the first round a year ago, he was injured for most of the season as well. So adding another body across the defensive line, always a good idea. And they're bringing in running back Jordan Howard, a pro bowler as a rookie. He's bounced around. Eagles, Bears, Dolphins. He's only 27 years old. He feels like he's older. They're bringing him in for a workout as well. So our poll question is, which player trying out today should the Saints sign to an actual contract? Is it defensive end Chris Odom? Is it running back Jordan Howard? Or is it both of them? And right now, 44% of you say 
Howard is the guy that they should sign. 37% of you, though, say both of them. You'd like to see them both sign. And 19% for defensive end Chris Odom. John Paul on Twitter says, need depth at both positions, so whoever can provide the most and best help there at that position. So keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. But right now, we're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we'll wrap up today's show, and we're going to do so with the man in charge of one of the best programs in the country, the Appalachian State Mountaineers. Sean Clark is going to be joining us. That's coming up next right here on RP3 and Company. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time for us to head back down to the Big Easy for more of The Game Sunbelt Media Days coverage presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Oh, welcome back to RP3 and Company as we broadcast live from Radio Row inside the Hotel Sheraton for Sunbelt Conference Media Days. And we're joined now by a man who's joined us before. Just give you a little bit of the, the resume here. He was a star player offensive lineman for the Appalachian State Mountaineers. He then worked his way up through the coaching ranks, including coming to his alma mater, where he served as co-offensive coordinator, offensive line coach, then assistant head coach, O-line coach, before taking over in 2020 as the head man. In his time with the Mountaineers, 20-7, 2-1 in bowls, won the Sun East Division Championship a year ago. They're predicted to win it yet again this year, even with the Sunbelt Conference expanding. It's our privilege to welcome back to the show, Sean Clark. Coach, good morning to you, bud. How you doing? Great, man. Appreciate having me on. It's always good to be back here in New Orleans and get some great food. And here at Media Days, kick off the 2022 football season. Let's, let's talk about your team. Um, once again, predicted to win the East, play for a conference championship. That's pretty much the standard uh, there in Boone with your program. Um, what's the expectations that you and uh, your coaches have for this coming season? Well, we're, we're very excited uh, for this season. We lost a lot of players last year. But, you know, I do believe we've we've had success over the years, recruited very well. So those guys that are coming in, they haven't played before. We have a lot of talent. And I think it starts with offense. Anytime you have your returning uh, quarterback coming back in Chase Bryce, uh, you have a chance to be successful. We're returning four out of five on the offensive line. Every running back is back from last year. Um, we lost one tight end, and, and but the receiver is the big question. We lost four starters um, to the NFL. They all got NFL camps, but I really like the young guys we have behind them that uh, didn't play much uh, the last two years. But I think we've added uh, some, uh, with some team speed. I do believe we've uh, uh, probably more athletic at that position. But again, it's playing time. And you look at the receiver position, we, we got uh, Caden Robinson, a transfer from uh, Central Florida, who's been a big addition for us. Uh, Christian Wells, Christian Horn, Deshaun Davis, guys that are very talented. We've watched over the last few years. And now it's their time to shine. And they've had a great offseason. Uh, I know every coach says that. They've had a great <laughs> offseason. Um, but I do right. believe uh, those young guys have something to prove. And they're going to get their shot early and see what, see what we got. 
Talk about your QB. What does he bring to the table on and off the field? I think year two in any system, I think you're going to be better off as it goes. And, you know, we, we recruited Chase out of high school and, um, again, with the Clemson, sit behind uh, Trevor Lawrence and transferred to Duke. And, you know, everyone got, he got, kind of got a bad rap at Duke because he led the country in interceptions. And, but uh, anytime you go with Coach Cutler's offense at, at Duke and you don't have an in person meeting before your first game, uh, that's not good. And, we had a chance to come here last year, and, and really, he really bought into what we were selling. That was uh, take care of the football, eliminate mistakes, and punting is okay. If you punt the football, don't turn the football over, you got a chance to win. Uh, but just his leadership, I think he's a natural-born leader, uh, how he commands from the offense, from his teammates, and, and he's very well-respected through our, through our organization, and, and that helps a lot. But just having that experience one year back, I think it's going to be that much better this year. Let's talk about – your running game, you like to run the football. Obviously, offensive line plays a big role in that. You were a former O-lineman yourself. How many guys you got coming back up front to make all those holes for those running backs to run through? Uh, again, we I think we'll have a very good offensive line this year. We uh, returned four out of the five that, that started every single game last year. Um, we have a few guys that are uh, – there are back some guys up that will start. We have uh, Troy Everett. He's a freshman out of Lord Botetot, Virginia. I think he has everything that we want in a, in a line. He's probably one of the – he's a young guy. But he reminds me of Noah Hannon that was a four-year starter at Appalachian State. And okay. had a great career. Very smart. He, he loves to watch football. He's, he's ate up with the game. He wants to know all the ins and outs of O-line play. So um, I, we have a chance to have a very good offensive line this year. And this year we have some more depth. Last year we didn't have much depth. This year we have depth. We're going to try to roll seven to eight every single game and, and get those young guys some, some uh, game experience. Let's talk about the defensive side of the football. Uh, one of your leaders, one of your best players, he's going to try to make it in the NFL with the New Orleans Saints. A heck of a ball player. Oh, who's your leader? Who's the guy that you turn to on that side of the football? Well, you just mentioned DeMarco Jackson. And, uh, <laughs> yes. well, he was a special. Yeah, you don't replace special. you don't replace that. And, and uh, again, he was not heavily recruited out of high school. He was a high school running back that had a knee injury, and no one won him, but we had watched him throughout his junior or senior year early on, and, and he was our kind of guy. But uh, I know all of uh, Saints Nation, who that nation down there, will enjoy watching him play. But, uh, you know, Nick Hampton is a guy that I'm really looking – to have a breakout season. He's one of our edge rushers. It's, it's an outside linebacker for us. And he's a 6'3", 235 pounds right now. His arms can go from New Orleans to Louisiana uh, to, <laughs> to Lafayette. Uh, then we have Stephen Jones. Stephen Jones is all, uh, a Walter Camp All-American this past year that um, – was voted second team all conference, so there must be some great conference, great corners in the conference this season. So, those are two guys I really, I really think have a breakout year. Jordan Earl played every single game this past season. He was the anchor to our our defense. He's a nose guard. He's six foot two, three hundred pounds, and and gives some experience. We did lose some players off defense this year, but I know our team's being on defense will make up for the experience. We're talking with Sean Clark, the man in charge of the Appalachian State Mountaineers. They're once again predicted to win the Sunbelt Conference East Division. Let's talk about that division because, oh, man, it is an absolute gauntlet. You already had yourself Coastal. You also had already had Georgia Southern now under Clay Hilton. Georgia State is always a dangerous team. And then you add James Madison. You add Old Dominion and you add Marshall to the mix all in that one division. Uh, could you argue best division in uh, in the group of five? I would argue that all all day long, and uh, I think our conference as a whole, from top to bottom, 
it will be the best group of – I think it's going to be the premier group in the group of five conference, our conference with the Sun Belt. I think uh, Keith Gill's an outstanding job of really aligning – the stars, if you will. I mean, it's sitting there, we're looking at it. And, you know, especially on the East, you mentioned it's going to be a gauntlet. We know that. But probably the most exciting I am, they're regional rivalries. And there's teams we've played before. Most of those teams came from F- FCS. And you, know, you go back and look at Marshall. You know, back in the early 90s when I played at App, it was either Marshall or Appalachian State. Whoever won that game won the conference. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, you know, it's three and a half hours from Boone, North Carolina. Both two great, uh, passionate fan bases that love their programs. That's going to be a great game. You talk about James Madison. Those are another rivalry game with Appalachian in the playoffs back in the late 90s, early 2000s. That, uh, again, those are two teams that have won national championships. Yeah. And you look at where James Madison, the footprint of the recruiting, they have the resources to be successful. They have a great recruiting area. I think that's one team this year that will really surprise some people. It won't surprise me because I know what Coach Ignetti and his, what, he, what he's about and how he runs his program. Then Old Dominion is sitting there and – uh, the East is going to be a gauntlet, and it's it's hard to win in college football. You add those three teams to the East, it's became more difficult. But uh, we're very excited about it. Look forward to those kind of games. I think it's, we're going to have a lot better uh, fan turnout throughout all of uh, the Eastern Division, all of the Western Division. And that's why you go to college football. That's why you play ball, to go out there and uh, play in those kind of grounds, meaningful games, and, uh, and make a special day on Saturday. I want to talk one more about your schedule, and then I want to go back to the, those rivalries because I think that's a huge was a huge decision by the Sun Belt. I want to get your your thoughts on that, Coach, before we wrap up. But let's talk about the schedule. Um, do you love just playing one of the most difficult schedules you can possibly find, Coach? Because you got North Carolina to open up with, then at Texas A and M in College Station, and then it's Sun Belt Troy with a very vaunted defense, a lot of good players coming back. They've made a change. James Madison, Georgia State, Coastal, Marshall, Old Dominion, Georgia Southern. Uh, that's a tough schedule, Coach. Is that a hard schedule? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I think we need to talk to Doug Gillen about that because his record and my record are tied together. So, uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, yeah, that's a, a, a tough schedule. But, again, I think that's going to prepare us for, for conference play. And uh, yeah. we know enough about North Carolina. We're very thankful for North Carolina to um, – schedule a three-game series is a two-for-one. We play two in Chapel Hill and one in Boone. And now there's a lot of history there. Coach Brown, he coached at Appalachian State. Sparky Woods, the head coach, was on that uh, team there at North Carolina. They have Lonnie Galloway, who was a coach at Appalachian State. So a lot of familiarity with both programs. And that's going to be a big day for our university, for our athletic department. Uh, we're expecting over 40,000 fans wow. at that game. That was set an all-time record. And I go back, and, and that's big, but last year we set the all-time Appalachian attendance record we set the all-time sunbelt attendance record and this year as it, it we're projected to beat that record from last year and that's the fan base that we want that's what makes it special in boone it just means more on the mountain sometimes and you know our fan base it's a love-hate relationship and uh, they 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 want to win every single football game they tell you when you do good they tell you when you do bad and uh, but that's those are expectations you really have those expectations then just we'll go out and win five or six games let's go win a championship and and, and make a run at this thing let's wrap it up with this with the expansion of the conference you guys were able to bring in old rivals which is great for the fan base marshall and uh, james madison in particular you know just talk about the sun belt and their vision of expansion with realignment going on constantly in college football. It seemed like the Sun Belt has a very much a clear vision 
of what they wanted to do, and they pulled it off. Uh, I, give, I give the Sun Belt and Commissioner Go all the credit. And I think it went back during the COVID year, they kind of wanted to reset it right. and, and, and kind of get things right. And, you know, it's cost-effective. I mean, we're not flying uh, every single weekend to uh, Idaho. We're not flying to New Mexico State. We can drive to Marshall and Huntington West. We can drive to James Madison, drive to Old Dominion. Uh, and But those games, when you play – and I'm a big proponent in regional rivalries. I've said this for a long time. I like to play our non-conference. I, like I wish it was all in-state teams for non-conference because it's great for our fan base. Some of our, t- our, our kids can get excited for it. But um, I do believe that – I said this earlier, we have the best group of five, best conference in the group of five. I think it's the premier group of five conference in the country. And I look forward to what we have installed for all the fans this, this season. Coach, appreciate your time, brother. Best of luck to you and your squad this year. And can't wait to see what you guys do. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate having me on. That's Appalachian State coach Sean Clark. His Mountaineers once again picked to win the East. They got a daunting schedule, but, man, they sure do seem like they have the talent to be able to deal with that. Before we head out here from Radio Row on RP3 and Company, want to let you know about my friends over at Lafayette Marble and Granite. That's right. They are the South's largest cultured marble factory, and they do show-stopping countertops for your bathrooms and kitchens, but you know what else they do? They can take your outdoor living area and your man cave to another level. You love to entertain during game days in the fall? Why not? Hit them up. Go visit their website, lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com. Or simply stop by their showroom located right there on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford. They can get you the countertops. They can transform that man cave and make it the envy of your neighborhood with family and friends on game days this fall. Once again, lmgelite.com is the website. Lafayette Marble and Granite, they're looking to earn your business. And trust me, earn it, they will. Final results of the poll question of the day. We asked you, who should the Saints sign today? They trying out two different players, former Arkansas State defensive end and USFL defensive MVP Chris Odom and running back Jordan Howard are working out for the team. 41% of you say they should sign Jordan Howard, 35% say both, and 24% say defensive end Chris Odom. That's going to do it for today's edition of the show. We'll do it all again tomorrow from Radio Row 6 to 9. Once again, thanks to our sponsors, Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands. That's going to do it for this edition of RP3 and Company. Be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles.